Welcome to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. Here's your host, the Bitcoin Boomer himself, Gary Leland. Welcome to the Bitcoin Boomer Show, and I'm your host, the original Bitcoin Boomer. No mistaking that, Gary Leland, the original Bitcoin Boomer. And welcome, welcome to the show. This has been a crazy week for Bitcoin. It really has. Bitcoin is dropping again. There's been a FTX exchange that has caused so much talk in the news. And I, we're going to talk about this on the show today with Drew Bonsell, but I kind of want to just give you kind of like a, an, an equivalent of what's going on here. Someone said to me the other day that Bitcoin was now probably going to go to zero and be worthless because of the FTX crash. To say that is kind of like saying because Bernie Madoff ran a Ponzi scheme, that the US dollar was gonna to go to nothing, was gonna be worthless. Now, of course, a Ponzi scheme by Bernie Madoff, who went to jail for a long, long time, is not gonna make the dollar disappear. No more than a scam by an exchange called FTX is gonna make Bitcoin go to zero, neither one. Now, you're seeing it affect Bitcoin price more then Bernie Madoff affected the dollar price because there's a lot less Bitcoin, for sure. There's only 21 million Bitcoin. I don't know how many trillions of U.S. dollars there are. So sit back, take a breath. Everything is going to be okay if you're invested in Bitcoin. Well, not if your Bitcoin was left on FTX exchange, it's not. But that's a whole different story that we get into on this show is why you should not ever ever leave your Bitcoin on any exchange. And FTX is a perfect example. Probably everybody who bought Bitcoin there and didn't remove it to their own security is gonna lose their Bitcoin. So I'm sorry to hear that, guys, but that's the way it is. And so we're gonna cover that on this show. We have uh, Drew Bonzo with Unchained, one of my favorite companies, Unchained Capital out of Austin, Texas. We're gonna talk about Bitcoin. We're gonna talk about... Uh, proof of stake proof versus proof of work. We're going to talk about FTX, and we're going to talk about securing your Bitcoin with multi-sig wallets. One of the safer ways to do it, if you're not comfortable with what you're doing, they have a concerns department that will help you out and make it good. I know this sounds like an info commercial. It's not. I'm just a big believer in what they do. So please stay tuned to the show. We'll be right back after this word. And during this break, contact everybody you know and say, watch this show. You're going to learn something about Bitcoin today, and it probably will help you down the road. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsor. See you then. And welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. As I say, this is a show where we try to educate you about Bitcoin, not trying to sell you Bitcoin, but I want to make sure that you know about Bitcoin, what it is, how to protect yourself from fraud. Education is the best policy. And today we have a friend of mine on, a good friend of mine I consider, one of the first people I ever met in Bitcoin, Drew Bonsell from Unchained Capital. Drew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Gary. You know, Drew, I was telling my wife that the other night, besides the person you that orange pulled me back in 2017, I actually think you're the first person I met that did uh, was into Bitcoin back in 
Austin at that Bitcoin, state Bitcoin conference, they called it. And uh, you were very nice to a plebe at the time. I do remember that. Uh, that's that's nice of you to say. I, I like to believe I'm still nice to plebs. Um, uh, I, it was one of my first conferences too, Gary. I think I had just started Unchained with Joe, and we were just starting to get out there and talk about our product more. Um, we we kind of came up together, you and I. So um, I'm glad I, we could be of help to each other. Yeah, I just I just remember you were saying, "What are you doing?" I was, <laughs> I have no idea. I just I just got into Bitcoin two weeks ago, and here I am. But and uh, you, I think, yeah, I think for obvious reasons that you understand in the title of the show, you you, you didn't look. Uh, like all the other folks at that conference. Um, and I found it remarkable um, that an older person could have such flexibility of mind and be so interested in all this new stuff going on. And um, I, I think uh, um, I think that's been to your credit, Gary. It's helped you build your brand and, and hopefully reach an audience that you know is not going to listen to me. <laughs> well, well, I appreciate the kind words. Uh, those are well-received. Mm-hmm. Um, before we go any further, though, Drew, how about to give everybody like a short bio of, of who is Drew? Uh, sure. Yeah, my name is Drew Bansell. I'm a co-founder and chief science officer at Unchained Capital. Um, it's a business I started with my co-founder and, and good buddy Joe Kelly uh, back in 2016. Uh, prior to that, Joe and I had uh, started a, a kind of a big data technology cloud computing company in about 2008, 2009 timeframe. Um, it was called InfoChimps. Um, it was my first business. We kind of grew it up a little bit, sold it in 2013, um, bought some Bitcoin uh, for the first time in my life because I had a bit of money. Um, and kind of that started the clock on, you know, eventually a few years later, 2016 or so, I was starting to get really fascinated by Bitcoin. I think like a lot of people, when I first bought it, I didn't really know what it was. Um, and I bought it to speculate. Um, but a few years later, I had, I sort of fell in love with it. And then Joe and I decided we really needed to start um, this next business. Um, uh, and we wanted to do it in Bitcoin. I think one of the things that we had done well in our pri- in our first business is that we had started a big data company in 2008, which was great timing. It meant that by 2013, when we sold the business, big data was everywhere. Our company was very valuable, uh, even though we made a lot of mistakes. Um, I think we wanted to repeat the same plan and we tried to pick in 2016. Uh, I, I literally remember saying this to Joe, You know, we were conjecturing, well, what will be the biggest thing in 2022? And the answer was, um, I don't think it's gonna be drones or, you know, XYZ other areas we could have worked in and it had to be Bitcoin. So I'm really glad that we made that choice um, because it took us years to build out our product, to grow our business, to to reach the place that we've reached now, which I'm thankful for. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of feel uh, one of the things that's cool about Bitcoin is that it kind of you know brings in folks from all stripes. I mean, your background, which we you know, I've talked about and privately in the past, is, uh, is is completely different from my own. You know, I'm originally a physicist, a scientist who became a data person and, and so on, very much on the technology uh, side of things. Um, and it's just cool. One of my favorite things about Bitcoin is that uh, whether it's shows like this or conferences that we attend, there's like all sorts of people who are motivated by the same vision uh, for building you know, a, a new kind of money, a new kind of human network. One of the things I saw on your site, and then I also, when I saw this, I saw this on your Twitter page, um, what I'm going to go over, and I, then I remember an uh, episode of a podcast I heard you on about space. You said, uh, your quote is, one day I'm going to space is in your Twitter profile, and uh, the only post, I, I scrolled down until I found something that wasn't a retweet, because uh, you do a lot of retweeting, and one of your posts were about Bitcoin astronomy. Can you explain Bitcoin astronomy to me? 
I can I can try to do so. I'm just um, curious. I'm just curious. It's a bit of a strange and heady topic. Um, maybe I could talk about some of my motivations um, in thinking about those ideas, and then I can talk just a little bit about the ideas and kind of bring it back. Um, this actually kind of I think goes to um, my physics training. Uh, physicists are there's a famous joke about physicists, um, you know, where a farmer or something hires a physicist to, you know, help him analyze how much milk his dairy herd is, you know, going to be able to produce and kind of optimize it. And the physicist's response is something like, well, imagine, you know, a spherical cow in outer space emitting milk isotropically in every direction at a constant rate. You know, the idea of like, take, take a real world situation and make it so absurdly simple that you can actually begin to analyze it. And it's, it's, an, it's a technique that physicists often use to simplify the world around them so they can build models um, around it. Um, and, you know, I don't think I, 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 I'm, I'm arguably a Bitcoin expert at this point in my life, uh, but I still don't feel like I fully get Bitcoin and every ramification of it and all the ways that it connects to everything. And I find Bitcoin still endlessly challenging and interesting. So in the past years, as I've, tried to think about various issues in Bitcoin, everything from block size to, you know, transmission times and functioning of the network, the role of energy and all these ideas. Sometimes I like to follow that physicist rule of, well, maybe let me extremize some variable or let me consider this in a very simplistic context. And then how might Bitcoin respond in that situation? And then I think that kind of helps me try to understand and model the way it actually works here on earth today, right now. Um, so in the Bitcoin astronomy stuff, um, I was sort of trying to think, well, you know, obviously <laughs> Bitcoin exists here on Earth today. And Earth is a, obviously a huge place, but the speed of light and the speed of modern communications infrastructure is very fast. You know, you can have a real-time conversation like we're having uh, miles and, you know, thousands of miles apart. Um, and Bitcoin obviously benefits from that. It's an application that runs on the internet. Um, and it kind of, you know, it, 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 it is what we think it is. But I asked myself, well, what would happen if we went really far away from the Earth? You know, not thousands of miles, but like tens of light minutes, you know, like uh, hundreds or thousands or millions of miles. Um, uh, if, if we went that far away, would Bitcoin still work? You know, like if we went to Mars, would Bitcoin still work? If Elon Musk landed on Mars and could he, you, could he and his colonies use Bitcoin, uh, how would it work over there? Um, and I think there have been a bunch of thoughts in this area in the past that I had read and intrigued me and I wanted to kind of just continue those ideas. Um, and so I don't know, I wrote a bunch of articles around what will Bitcoin be like on Mars? What will happen when humans get to Pluto and the rest of the solar system? What might happen on other stars with aliens? And it was a really fun series of speculations for me. I'm, I'm a physicist originally and a big sci-fi fan. And so it was really fun to think about um, how Bitcoin might change and survive and grow and uh, in, in all these future environments. Um, and I think I learned a few things that helped me appreciate Bitcoin more. Like, for example, in all that speculation, one of the themes is how important energy is to human civilization and how Bitcoin, because of proof of work, deeply connects to energy. Um, and you know, I already believed in proof of work strongly and as, a, as the right consensus model, let's say, compared to something like proof of stake um, before I wrote those articles. But writing those articles, if, if you like, further convinced me and helped me find even new ways, uh, new exotic, ab abstruse, astronomic ways of uh, appreciating uh, principles such as proof of work in, in Bitcoin and, and many of its other um, aspects as well. So long story short, it's a series of articles, Bitcoin Astronomy is a series of articles that I wrote 
uh, speculating about how Bitcoin will change and evolve in the far future. Um, and I think it's valuable as kind of a fun speculative sci-fi read. Um, but I also think it's just interesting because it it maybe gives you some new ways of looking at Bitcoin's properties right here, right now on Earth. Well, <laughs> I, uh, do you really think you're going to go in space? So I, 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 I'm afraid to admit that like I'm the kind of person that desperately wants to go to space, but I'm also just irrationally afraid to fly on commercial aircraft. So I'm going to have to figure out some way to to uh, you know thread that needle. Maybe I'll uh, take a sleeping pill, or get real drunk, and wake up in space. Um, that might be the best way for me to get there. I don't think they let you on a on a uh, on a ro <laughs> rocket while you're drunk, Drew. So that. that that may not work. It's going to have to really evolve for that to happen. I want to be in like a comfort. I want to be, I want to like, I will go when space tourism is like robust so I can, you know, have a nice like seat and chill out, read a magazine on the way up. Like I, I'm not brave enough to go up the way right now, as much as I would love to be up there. Well, I definitely would go up if, if they would take me. I figured if I died on the way up, see, being a boomer, I only got like 10, 15 years left anyway. So I'm not losing as much as you. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. And welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host, Gary Leland. Obviously, I'm the Bitcoin Boomer. And Drew, who's with me today, Drew Bonsell, is not the Bitcoin Boomer. So, so Drew, um, as I was saying, being a boomer, I won't lose as much as you will if I go up and the spaceship explodes. So, so I, I would go for it. Um, I do have something I want to bring up, though, since you brought it up, and many, much of my audience won't know what you were talking about. So that's the only reason I'm getting into it. You covered the fact that uh, proof of stake versus proof of work. And like you, I believe proof of work is the only way to go. Could you give us a short description of what the two are, or maybe the distinctions between the, the differences? We've never covered sure, that. Sure, uh, I think, yeah, sure. I think if, uh, if cryptocurrencies or Bitcoin or, or this whole new industry could be said to solving any problem at all, like if there was like, what is the point of any of these things? Um, the answer has to be something like, this is a way for us to build a kind of money, um, a human network, a, just a project that no one can subvert because no one is in charge. Um, we're all in charge in a different way of putting it, that it's voluntary. We're not being coerced. We're participating um, voluntarily in this human network that provides this service of money to all of us that glues us together. In solving that problem and building that project, we have to find a way to agree um, because for all sorts of reasons, both mundane ones like transactions being sent at different times and being received by different parts of the network at different times to more adversarial ones like attackers or um, people with bad um, intentions trying to subvert the network, there's going to be um, conflict and there's going to be points where not every participant sees the same picture of the network and sees the same balances and and so on. And in, in traditional financial systems, those that are operated by centralized parties like banks and so on, these problems of agreement and consensus are solved by just th that party decides. Like they're the central point that everyone else trusts. Because there is no such point in a system like a Bitcoin or a cryptocurrency, we need an algorithm, a, a way that each participant can independently arrive at the same um, picture of reality. That's a very, very hard problem. Um, Bitcoin's solution is called proof of work. 
and it is a solution which involves energy usage. And there's some deep reasons why energy usage is verifiable by other participants. That's in the name itself, proof of work. It's it's proof that I use energy to do this thing. And you can, independent of what you think about me, you can validate that at least I did use that energy. And the idea is that because energy is scarce, um, if we have an algorithm that forces people to use energy in a smart, verifiable way in order to make changes to the state of a blockchain, um, to make changes to the Bitcoin balances that people would hold in the world, um, because energy is scarce, we can sort of funnel good behavior. We can sort of say, well, if you want to engage in bad behavior to, to do that, you're going to have to waste energy. Why would you do that? Um, it's just easier and it's actually more profitable for you to do the right thing, which supports consensus and builds up this shared picture of reality. <clears throat> And that was Bitcoin solution, which came first. One of the immediate and I think rather obvious um, problems is, hey, that uses a lot of energy. Um, the way that Bitcoin has grown over the past 10 to 15 years, it's it's a meaningful usage of energy in the world. Something like 0.1 to 0.5% of world electricity, uh, for example, goes to power the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, and you know, I'm I'm definitely an uh, environmentalist. I'm someone that cares about the earth. I believe in anthropogenic climate change. I think wanton destruction of our environment is a bad idea. So like a lot of people, when I first learned about Bitcoin and proof of work, I was like, this is very cool. But what if there were a better way than just using all this energy to secure the network? That's where proof of stake enters. Proof of stake is a different algorithm, a different methodology for everyone agreeing. And instead of using energy, it's kind of self-referentially uses the money that it is itself trying to find consensus around. So instead of using energy to change um, the uh, the state of the network or this or people's balances and committing it in that way, in proof of stake, you sort of commit um, the 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 currency itself. So in Ethereum, you would commit Ethereum or stake it, it's called, and you wouldn't be able to use it for a certain period of time, but it would be used to power some kind of model in which everyone comes to agree. Um, and this sounds superficially like a really good solution. Now you don't have to use any energy um, and you get the same, quote unquote, the same properties that Bitcoin had. But I think as you know, a person spends more time researching these ideas, it turns out it's not as easy as that. Like There are meaningful ways in which a proof of stake based um, network like Ethereum now, um, unlike Bitcoin, has, has inferior security and robustness compared to using energy. Um, I don't want to get into all the details of why. I think you could argue about that if you wanted to a lot, but that's what I and a lot of other Bitcoiners believe is while proof of stake solves some meaningful problems, um, it just is not as strong as proof of work. Um, the example I like to cite, even though it's a little of an absurd one, again, it comes back to my, my Bitcoin astronomy, thinking about an extreme situation to help you understand the real situation. Imagine all the world's computers turned off at once. The internet was off for like three days. There was a solar flare or some crazy thing like this. How might we recover back to where we were um, in something like a Bitcoin? Uh, let's forget dollars for a second because that would also be complicated. Um, in Bitcoin, just the fact that if anybody showed up with a copy of the blockchain, we could all independently validate that the energy that went into that blockchain was a certain amount and we could be fairly confident and Bitcoin has a notion of maximizing the energy in the blockchain and that's kind of the truth of the blockchain. We would The point I'm making is we would be able to recover from a catastrophic event and, and restart the financial system. In a proof of stake based system, um, it would be much less clear uh, which version of reality we should return to because there wouldn't be a, this anchor to physical energy that all of us could independently validate. Um, and this ultimately is the root of the problem that I see with something like proof of stake 
is that because it's trying to disconnect from energy, it loses this important connection to the real world. Um, and then over time, you know, once you make this realization, then maybe it actually is inferior. You sort of start to also realize that not only is um, proof of work a superior algorithm for finding consensus, but as I was also saying in my connections to Bitcoin astronomy and other ideas, proof of work is actually intimately tied into energy production and distribution. That if we think of Bitcoin as just a consumer and of energy like any other, we're actually making a category error. That Bitcoin mining, I think, is deeply part of the world's energy fabric. And from that perspective, and Bitcoin, because it's a useful thing in the world, deserves energy to be spent on it. That's a market choice. How much energy should we spend on any one particular um, product or service or, or project? So these two ideas of proof of stake and proof of work um, are very different attempts at solving the same kind of a problem. I, as a Bitcoiner, believe that proof of work is superior, um, that proof of stake lacks certain properties that are desirable. But also, I don't think anymore that the idea that proof of work uses energy is bad. I actually think it's really good and it, it helps change and reshuffle and disrupt today's energy um, infrastructure. But again, I think it actually has meaningful impact on the future of human civilization. I think Bitcoin is the kind of technology that can be used to catalyze growth in human energy usage, which I think is a net good for humanity. Well, there are so many things that are not as good for mankind, I don't know if I'm saying that the right way, as Bitcoin is that use just as much electricity, if not more. I mean, That's take right. Christmas That's lights, right. for instance. I know when I was a kid, I enjoyed looking at them. I know I have to put them up every year. Don't get off on that that much. But I know I do enjoy walking through the neighborhood and seeing them. But Christmas lights use up way more energy than Bitcoin, and I never hear anyone complaining about Christmas lights or take the banking system that we use today. Oh my gosh, just probably hauling yeah. the money around in armored cars around the world. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. I think, I think Bitcoin um, sometimes gets, gets um, uh, how to put it? Um, I think Bitcoin gets undeserved attention on its own energy usage sometimes because it's very transparent about it. Because the amount of energy going into the blockchain is an important aspect of its security. And it's something that in Bitcoin's design is intended to be easy for you to measure. The whole methodology of proof of work is that we want to gravitate towards the blockchain that uses the most energy, has the most work, the heaviest chain rule. And as a result, Bitcoin is designed so that we can effectively measure how much energy we think is going into it. Very few systems at the scale of Bitcoin are designed to have that kind of transparency. Like we can sort of see that they use, we can estimate how much energy they use through all sorts of indirect things, but because it's not on the tin, it's easy for us to forget how much energy is in there, right? And I think this is part of, um, I think part of a, a more like even-handed approach to thinking about human energy usage is not, don't just focus on the things that do a good job telling you about their energy usage and kind of stick out like a rep, you know, and then they kind of get flagged. We'll be right back. Sorry to cut you off, Drew. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsor.
And welcome back. We're with Drew Bonsville today talking about Bitcoin, and we just rudely cut you off, Drew. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you, though, 100%. The amount of energy used by other things is trivial, is, is a lot compared to, or Bitcoin is trivial compared to them, and Bitcoin is something that can change the world, where putting up your Christmas lights probably is not going to change the world or any of the other things. Uh, wash, drying your clothes is not gonna change the world, but Bitcoin and will, can and will, and people seem to be attacking the wrong thing. And you're probably right, because Bitcoin is real open about it. You don't have the clothing dryer companies putting up how much energy they use drying clothes. Um, I wanna talk to you about something I think we'd be missing out if we didn't talk about FTX today. That's in the news. Um, that's a catastrophe. I'm kind of like every day I see new stuff about that scam that I'm going to call it, and I think everybody would agree. What What are your thoughts on the FTX situation? You know, it's definitely the kind of thing that we were just spitballing on it before the show, but it kind of feels like the, the more focused you are as an individual or a business on Bitcoin itself as compared to the host of other cryptocurrencies that are out there in the world, the less this FTX blow up and all the related blowups over the past you know six to eight months, the less this stuff seems to affect you, um, at least directly. Um, indirectly, of course, the market is down, so everyone is affected. But um, I think it's it's been an object lesson for a lot of individuals. And in, um, what was the point of this whole revolution? Um, it wasn't to give control of all our assets back to centralized parties who can then abuse our trust. Um, put our funds at risk and then lose them for us. Um, that was exactly the thing that we didn't want to replicate. And yet here we are having replicated it. So I think folks who are in Bitcoin, self-custodying, using collaborative custody with providers like Unchained, um, it's almost like we're in a different industry because we're so insulated from those kinds of threats. Again, I'm not trying to sound smug. It's been a hard time for everybody in the world and every, especially folks in our industry this last eight months. Um, but there is, I think, a certain silver lining in that I think a lot of bad behaviors and irresponsible business models are being exposed. Hopefully, people will learn. Not everyone will learn because not everyone's paying attention, but hopefully a lot of people will, and they will see this bad behavior, and it will force them to gravitate, hopefully, towards Bitcoin, self-custody, collaborative custody, better security, um, more direct ownership of these assets. So you brought up Unchained. Great company. Y'all have been a platinum sponsor for BitBlock Boom now for, I think this is going on the fifth year, which I do appreciate uh, very much. And I am, just to be upfront, people, I'm a customer of Unchained. I believe in their product. But let's go over. Tell us what Unchained is. And I want to get into multi-sig because we've never covered that on this show either. So if you'd, if you'd explain sure. both of those for me. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the the... One of the central technologies that Unchained leverages is the concept of multi-signature. So before we talk about that, let's just review. Um, part of what is so remarkable about Bitcoin is it's the first asset class you can truly own. Uh, sorry, the first kind of digital asset that you can truly own. Um, arguably physical things, you can, of course, protect them like gold or other kinds of valuables in the world. But they can be taken from you through violence and other kinds of schemes. It, it's hard to protect really large amounts of physical wealth like gold just on your own as a person. It's expensive to do so. Um, Bitcoin as a digital asset allows you to have private keys. These private keys are designed to be something you can protect fairly well if you have the right tools. Um, 
Again, I think part of the FTX debacle is people forgetting this idea of private keys being powerful and being able to control and use Bitcoin and just surrendering that capability to some third party provider because they think it's too complicated or they don't understand the risks. But hopefully, again, the, this year has shown a lot of people that using private keys is important. One of the challenges with having a private key that you use to protect your own Bitcoin is that what happens if you lose that private key? You know, it's you're typically going to store this private key as in the physical world, like on a hardware device called a so-called Trezor or Ledger or Cold Card. Some of these brands out there that sell these hardware devices, you may be storing it on paper or in some other um, long-term durable format. This private key. Um, but what if you lose it? What if your house burns down? What if the bank safety deposit box that you stored it in the bank shuts down or whatever happens? Um, part of the solution is you can use multiple keys. And Bitcoin has this kind of built in. Um, so you can decide, um, I want to have three keys and I want two of them to be have to be used um, in order to move my Bitcoin. This is kind of like you imagine the nuclear silo with the multiple keys and they have to be turned at the same time. It's kind of something like that, right? And the idea is now you have created a bit of redundancy for yourself. Um, if you lose one of your keys of your three, you can always use the other two and you can recover your Bitcoin and move it to a new two out of three kind of setup. You also gain security. If, if someone compromises or finds one of your keys, that's not enough for them to take your Bitcoin because they need to find the other key. They actually, they need to be even more than that, but let's not, we can skip over that detail. So moving to multiple keys in a multi-sig setup is an important part of moving, uh, of improving your security as a Bitcoiner. Um, where Unchained comes in is, first of all, we provide multi-sig technology, both open source and through our private platform. But we extend multi-sig with the idea of collaborative custody. So um, instead of the, it's multi-sig, but instead of you having all the keys and being responsible for every single aspect of it, first of all, you will use Unchained's platform typically, and we will have at least one of the keys. So in this model, in the collaborative custody version of multi-sig, let's say it's two out of three, you would have two out of the three keys, and Unchained would hold the third. So you have all the same benefits as you had previously with multi-sig, but now you have a, a professional Bitcoin company working to enable you um, and being your third key. So if you lose a key, you can contact Unchain, we can verify, and we can help you move your assets to a new place. Um, this is, is something you can do on your own, as I've emphasized, through open source technology, but Unchain can help you get there. And on the Unchain platform, not only is it just custody, that's kind of the entry point, but once you're in our environment, you can use your same keys to power loans, trading, retirement, and in the future, even more products. Um, so in our view, this is kind of the endpoint of Bitcoin um, financial services. You, you may start on a Coinbase or an exchange and buy your coins there, but eventually you'll move to self-custody, you'll move to collaborative custody, and, and uh, like you, Gary, um, and myself, you'll be an unchained client. And I think this is this, probably the safest and most robust form of custody for folks who are intending on um, holding their Bitcoin for decades, um, perhaps um, ensuring that it uh, is inherited by their children and grandchildren. Well, there's a couple of points also I want to add to that that I think are interesting. Number one, you can designate that only a certain amount of Bitcoin can be taken off at a time. So if someone does get a hold of your keys or does get a hold of your wallet somehow and goes to Unchain, they could maybe you could set it at 5%. So instead of someone taking all your Bitcoin, they could only take 5%. Then you also have video um, on there where to remove it, I have to record a video reading a script that says basically, hi, I'm Gary Leland and I want to remove my Bitcoin and transfer it. And then it is looked at and approved to make sure it's me and I'm not under duress. I would assume if you saw a gun to my head, you would probably call the cops instead of releasing my Bitcoin. So I think both of those 
hopefully that never happens to anyone. But both of those assets, the fact I can limit how much can be pulled off and the fact you have the video confirmation. And a third thing that I think is so great, if my kids don't know what they're doing and I die, and they're able to even get a seed phrase, I believe, they could come to Unchained and uh, with my death certificate and you guys could help them get back, recover the Bitcoin instead of it being lost in a world where we've seen that happen, Drew, where someone's died and the whole family has no idea how to get their uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, maybe I could respond to those three points just very you got quickly. A, you got so a minute and a half. You got right. a minute and a half, Drew. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so, so maybe I'll just respond to two of them then. Um, I'll say that um, you're absolutely right. We have all sorts of security features baked into Unchained's platform to make it easier and safer for you to withdraw limitations, video verifications, manual review, et cetera. But those are really only protections that apply to the Unchained platform. Um, part of, I think, the value proposition of Bitcoin is that you can always interact with Bitcoin completely independently of any platform just by talking to the blockchain. And you can do that when you're an Unchained client. If our website were offline, none of our protections would apply, but you could, through your keys, still get to your Bitcoin and recover independently. That's so valuable, but it means that you have to take care, right? It's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Because you have that power, you don't always have to go through the Unchained platform. When you do, we will be applying those additional protections. So I just wanted to make that clear. Um, we're not claiming that no one can ever withdraw past the thresholds that you set. You yourself could do that if you used independent tools, but we view that as empowering you, um, not, um, not, not a security hole. That's something you want. Okay, I understand what you're saying there. Well, any way you look at it, for the novice person who's not a super geeky guy, Unchained Capital is a, a safe way to save your Bitcoin from being stolen or lost. It's much better. I, I saw someone today say they keep their Bitcoin on Gemini because they don't trust themselves. And I'm going, well, there's a lot better ways to do that. We'll be right back with Drew and more right after these words from our sponsor. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. Gary Leland here, joined by Drew Bonsall. Drew, let's get this going again. You know, something I always ask early in the show, and I didn't ask you today, and I need to know your answer to this question. According to Drew, what is Bitcoin? Man, always, uh, <clears throat> I'm tempted to give you a short, pithy, nonsensical answer or like a totally long rant. Um, maybe I'll try to, try to, go in the middle of those two. <clears throat> One of my favorite answers is, I don't remember where I heard this, it might've been a tweet, but I think it's, it's a uh, Bitcoin is a game we all play where we can tell when someone's cheating. I like that definition. Um, it's simple and it's evocative, uh, but Bitcoin's so much more than a game. It's, it's, it's money, it's a human network, it's a political technology, it's a, a, a transformative new incentive generator to, to build new kinds of markets and to really disrupt um, a lot of the, the networks that humans have built so far. The most important network to disrupt, of course, is money. And that is what Bitcoin most fundamentally is, is a new kind of money. But because money is so foundational and it's the basis of connecting so many kinds of human activity, Bitcoin will grow to disrupt those areas as well. Maybe I didn't really define it. I just described what I think it might do. I'm not sure if that's a good answer for you, Gary. Well, that's good enough. If that's your answer, that's a good answer. That's all I'm looking for is your thoughts on that. So 
Um, that's a good enough answer for me. Listen, now, Unchained Capital, I want to go back to Unchained. You guys have really, from when I first went to your offices over there on 4th Street, um, you ended up going from the point there where it was comfortable to it was overcrowded. Now you have a new location that's huge. It's great. You have the commons going. Uh, I always see people in there in the commons, either local people in there working on projects or you're doing events there. Um, how do you think uh, Austin has been for Unchained and, and why did you decide on Austin? Um, my gosh. Um, so, uh, I, I suppose, I mean, I already lived in Austin when Joe and I started the business, uh, we're right there around fourth and fifth street. That's where we both live downtown. That's where we had the first offices. Um, we didn't really deeply think about whether Austin was the best place to start this business. We were just already here. I think happily it turned out that Austin was an incredible place to start um, a Bitcoin business. Um, Austin and Texas in general are great places to start businesses. We started our last business in Austin and that was a good idea as well. Um, Austin obviously has an incredible talent pool. It's got forward thinking people from all stripes and flavors of the world. Um, but moreover, I think there's definitely a concordance with the idea of like Bitcoin, Texas, um, independent culture, um, this kind of don't tread on me ideal. Um, even the fact that like Austin politically is, is often like in the middle of the country in meaningful ways, um, <clears throat> sorry, Austin, like within Texas, uh, I think it turned out that this was a great city to start a Bitcoin company in. Um, and I'm not the only person that feels this way. I think part of what happened is over the last, you know, five to 10 years, more and more Bitcoiners have moved to Austin. Um, and that's a little bit of a, of a self fulfilling prophecy, like the more Bitcoiners that show up here, the more other Bitcoiners are like, oh, Austin seems like a great place. Um, I want to move there. Um, uh, the pandemic, of course, was a big driver, just even outside of Bitcoin for people moving to Austin. So Austin has just grown tremendously um, in the last, you know, since I've been here about 15 years or so. Um, and it, it has turned out to be an incredible location um, for a Bitcoin company. Uh, we punch way above our weight class in terms of how small of a city we are, versus um, how many Bitcoiners are here. And, and I'd like to believe that Unchained has been part of that story. We've been a Bitcoin company for a number of years in Austin. Um, the commute, we've interacted a lot with the community. Um, and uh, I got to give credit to my colleague, Parker Lewis, for starting and having the, accepting the idea that we need to start this Bitcoin commons so we can give the community a comfortable, like regular place to meet, to grow, um, to network. Um, that's been an awesome um thing to be part of. And it's very cool that that's happening at our offices. Sometimes, um, you know, I'll just roll into the office just for a meeting and there'll be, you know, 200 people in the commons at a big event. Um, and that's very exciting for me. So uh, I've really loved um, being in Austin all these years. And, and I think it's turned out to be a really nice vision that we started uh, uh, Unchained and Austin. That's where headquarters is still. Well, with the Austin situation, I have to agree with you. You know, BitBlock Boom went from Addison, Texas, and maybe we had close that's to 300. Right. We decided to move to Austin because I figured if I wanted to have the best Bitcoin conference in the world, I had to be in the best Bitcoin city in the world. And uh, by doing nothing else but moving, we went from approximately 300 people to over 700 people at our conference last year and expecting mm -hmm. 1,500 this year. And as I said, you all have been our platinum sponsor for ever since the second year, and this is our sixth year. So... Uh, and I do appreciate that, but Bit, uh, Austin has been a good town, and 
I go to so many Bitcoin events that I have to go down to Austin for. I just wish that that was here or I live there, one or the other, but neither one's going to happen. So I just have to face it. I have to truck down to Austin like every month to come to something Bitcoin. You're lucky in that, that uh, respect. Hey, um, we're getting ready to wrap this all up. But uh, before we do, is there, where can people follow you? Um, is there anything that I may not have asked that you wanted to uh, tell people? This is your opportunity to get in anything I may have asked. forgot to ask. Um, where can you find me? Um, I tweet uh, at Drew Fansel um, on Twitter. Um, I also blog occasionally at the Unchained um, site. I'm at all various conferences. Uh, in terms of things we didn't say, um, maybe in the spirit, Gary, of the title of this show, um, I think Bitcoin is for everyone. It's for young people. It's for boomers. Um, sometimes it can be intimidating to get into something so technologically forward as Bitcoin, especially with all the ideas that I'm espousing, like having your own private keys and cryptography and all these ideas. But I think you have had this experience working with Unchained. It is doable. We, Unchained and many um, other people and companies in the Bitcoin space are working really hard to make this the kind of thing that you don't have to be a technologist to engage in. You don't have to be a computer programmer to own Bitcoin. You don't have to be a security expert to keep your Bitcoin safe. And you don't have to be a financial wizard in order for the value of your Bitcoin to grow over the years. So I think I would encourage everybody, um, regardless of how competent you feel around the technology here, to not be afraid of self-custody. Don't be like the person that says, oh, I don't trust myself, so I want to store it on Gemini. This year is an abject lesson in why that's a bad idea. Um, reach out to Unchained. Um, go to our concierge program. We will educate you. We will prepare you. We will make sure that you have everything you need to stay safe over the coming years. And one thing we didn't mention on this show is that if you want to get into Bitcoin or start investing in Bitcoin or, or however you want to describe it, you do offer at Unchained uh, the opportunity for people to buy Bitcoin and at a good mm -hmm. price. And I mean, 50 basis points or something, I think. I, I could be wrong on that. But uh, you offer a good opportunity for people. Yeah, come get started. Yeah, yeah, come and get started. Well, Drew, I do appreciate you coming on the show and taking the time. I enjoyed seeing you this weekend. I'm sure I'll see you this month or next month somewhere in Austin. I always enjoy seeing you and always Absolutely. enjoy talking with you. And tell Parker, thanks for all his help also. You guys have been great to me down there. And uh, if anyone wants to get into Bitcoin, I can't recommend. I, I know this is sounding like a pitch, but I really am a big fan of Unchained. So um, even, if they, likewise. even if they didn't sponsor, I was using them before they sponsored my conference is what I'm trying to say. So it's not, a, this isn't a paid plug I'm saying, which it could be sounding like one since you're my sponsor, which I do believe in your product. <laughs> Thanks, Drew. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Gary. Now, we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor and we're gonna go over um, some of the stuff we went over today. We're going to talk about uh, FTX a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, one or two more comments about Unchained Capital. And we want to basically get you into Bitcoin. I don't care if you buy Bitcoin right now, but I want to get you into the Bitcoin mindset. I want you to understand Bitcoin. I want you to be able to walk into a room and if someone's talking about Bitcoin, you are able to listen to the conversation and maybe add to the conversation instead of you sitting there like an old boomer going, what are they talking about? I don't care. It's made up internet money because that's what many people tell me. People come up to me all the time. How's that internet made up internet money doing? That to me 
shows a sign of ignorance that they haven't done their homework and they don't even know what they're talking about. And I do not want you to be looking that way. So stick tuned with the show. Make sure and start subscribing. And please tell your friends about this show so we can help educate them too. And then if down the road you feel like you understand Bitcoin and you want to dip your toes in, well, certainly go ahead. But don't, don't just start buying Bitcoin and then not understanding it because then next time it goes down, you'll get scared and you'll sell it and lose all your money. That's what always happens. So we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor to go over a little few wrap-up details for this week's show. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. Now, Bobby gave us a lot of information about lightning and those in voltage, but basically, just to go over it, lightning is to Bitcoin what credit cards are to the U.S. dollar. The dollar is a layer, and the credit cards ride over the layer and transfer the dollars. Same thing with lightning. Light, Bitcoin is a layer, and lightning rides on top and transfers to Bitcoin. So I hope this show educates you a little bit on lightning. If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, don't forget to come and visit our monthly meetup and eat some great barbecue at bitblockbarbecue.com. We meet once a month over in Dallas and talk about Bitcoin and eat barbecue. Doesn't get any better than that, I promise you. Also wanna make sure you know about my conference, which we talked about earlier, and Voltage is our sponsor for, for the second year, and that's BitBlockBoom, the Bitcoin-only conference. We're not a cryptocurrency conference, we're just a Bitcoin conference in Austin, Texas, celebrating our sixth year. So that's doing pretty good for us. I also got a lot of stuff to go here over with you. I want to make sure you know about the book I just written recently. wrote it last year with some friends of mine. Bitcoin and the American Dream. This is about an hour and a half, hour, 50-minute read. But it's great information. Uh, it's a great gift to someone that you want to teach Bitcoin to, but you know is not going to read a really long book. It gets to the meat and potatoes. Eight of us wrote it, and we all eight came from different backgrounds, and we all eight look at diff different parts of Bitcoin. So check that out. And the last thing I want to leave you with is BitBlockBTC. That's right, BitBlockBTC.com. It's a way to sell vouchers, Bitcoin vouchers. So if you want to... Uh, help spread the word about Bitcoin. It's kind of like being a walking ATM machine uh, with BitBlock BTC. Check it out today. I think you'll find it interesting. Most people do. Now, I really do appreciate you joining us on today's show. We've been doing this show for a while now. We've had a lot of people that we've taught a lot about Bitcoin. And as I keep saying over and over and over, maybe I say it too often, that is the goal. Bitcoin's coming. It's a freight train. It's a little late to stop it now. You can slow it down, but you can't stop Bitcoin because it's computer code. So unless you learn how to shut down the internet, Bitcoin's here to stay. For those people who are worried about whether it's here to stay or not. Been here for 12 years now. It's growing faster than anything. And it's more than just, it's not a stock. So quit looking at it like it stocks. It's a whole network. Well, that's it for today's Bitcoin Boomer Show. I do hope you've enjoyed our time. We'll see you next week. And as I always say, remember to stack those sats. <laughs>